0: welcome to another episode of bench talk i'm your host tom gerrard uh this week i'm catching up with darren henderson good night. how you going good how are you yeah good mate good to catch up i know been a while <laughs> it has um so you're uh you're Melbourne-based, and I've known about your art for years, but I've only just recently met you working on a job together. I know, that
1: was interesting, because I've known your art for years as well and always loved it. Um, yeah, so when I heard I was painting with you, I'm like, finally.
0: Yeah, that's <laughs> oh, good. It's good to get to know you. It's like um, being here in your house and uh, looking around all your art collection. It's, I don't know it's like we know a lot of the same people. You know? Totally, you know a lot of them.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: totally. You've got a, uh, got a good collection of art here. Have you been um, like collecting as you go or have they been like art trades?
1: Um, some have been art trades or some are gifts for helping them out like you know driving them around or getting them to A&B when they're in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah most of it I've bought from sort of galleries and yeah the autopsy and things like that so. Yeah? Yeah.
0: Cool. So um, you know start at the start I guess like um, like where are you from and how'd you get into art?
1: Uh, from Melbourne originally. Um, always drawn as a kid, sort of started doing graffiti when I was young. I wouldn't say I was prolific like any of the the murders or the puzzles, but it was like a lot of fun. Um, strict parents kind of didn't let me out that much. So, uh, and then, yeah, by the time I got to year 11, I think it was, they started allowing us to use spray paint and canvases and all that sort of stuff at school. Um, and then it just went from there. My maths and English were pretty bad. So it was kind of an obvious route to take was the art route um which part of melbourne did you grow up in uh, around moorabbin and hampton and uh, went to hampton high and then they closed that down in jeff kennett closed it down so we all went to sandy tech which they renamed sandy college uh, and then they offered then a first ever kind of tpo art and design course so you do photography uh, life drawing drawing um, ceramics, painting, it was all art, you know, art based. And then maths and English were tacked on at the end. Yeah. Yeah. But that was pretty good. Cause it was kind of, you finally got to go, you know, not have to do VCE and do all the academics. It was like, you can concentrate on experimenting with different mediums and all of that sort of stuff.
0: Yeah. 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 I remember in high school, just when I got to choose my electives, it's trying to just find the easiest thing possible. Mm. And, and it was funny. I was, I was actually choosing the art classes because, uh, to me, they were easy. You know, yeah, yeah. Not saying I was naturally gifted at art or anything. It's just you know through creativity, you know, you you can't go wrong as long as you, you know, as long as you're applying paint to something or you know doing the work. Yeah, you know, totally. You, you can't get a fail. Whereas you can do your thousand word essay or whatever and still get oh, crappy grades. Get a know? C or a D or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've seen a lot of them. Yeah, <laughs> <so far.
1: laughs> Yeah, I think I think it was good because it was just all of a sudden, you know. Mum wasn't... Mum was happier because I was, like, doing quite well and, like, putting, you know, putting hard yards in and stuff. Yeah. I mean, there was a few photography classes where we'd go to the Red Buff Beach with a six-pack and take photos of the cliffs. Mm. Yeah, the teacher got sick of us presenting those.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I remember my first photography class, I just took photos of graffiti. Did you? Yeah. Yeah, and it's funny. I look back at it now and even, um, yeah, I've got photos of uh, the wall at Kensington. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's the first pieces that were done on there, so it's all like raw brick with just the pieces. I think it was like a panic and yep. some other stuff. Um, I can't remember now, but even yeah, just like seeing all those old old photos and that was like photography classes, getting graphics. I'd <laughs> love to see those now. <laughs> yeah, I've got them. I've got like a printed printed large format of them and everything. It's um, awesome. Yeah, it took them, um, I even took some with like the box camera. Oh you yeah. Like. So you have got the big square film. Like, I don't know much about photography, but um, no, but that's you know. better
1: than thirty-five mil.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, I know I love those. Uh, the photography classes were good because all you had to do is point and shoot. Yeah, you can't go wrong. Can't go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> as long as you're snapping photos. But um, but yeah, you said you um, you know, you got into graffiti and all that stuff. Like were you hanging out with like um, like graph writers, because I know that you, I know you're friends with Murder and I'm uh, you know. I know that you know a lot of, uh, you know, the older generation draft writers from around Melbourne.
1: I didn't didn't hang out. I hung out with a few around the area, mm-hmm. um, and I met, I suppose I met Murder and, and all the other guys later in, on the scene, but I knew the history, so they were kind of happy to have a chat because, of, you know, as a keen keen creative eye, I'd always see it everywhere. Mm. Um, yeah, and then we sort of mainly stayed around the area. We'd tag occasionally up and down the line, but... We didn't go we didn't go crazy i kind of more like like the painting side of it than the bombing side of it
0: yeah yeah and as, as you um you know you you got you were interested in graph and all that did you sort of start developing an art practice on the side
1: um yeah we did i did for sure but then then it was like you know it was kind of more like you're not going to make money painting do design you know hmm. so a lot of us kind of got more into Getting our design degrees and putting that creativity, you know, you would still paint and do things like that, mm. but you you were kind of steered towards, you know, doing something with it rather than yeah, trying out that art career.
0: Yeah, that's what I always thought. Like people said that to me years ago as well. It's like, oh, don't worry about painting. Get it, getting like learn how to use a computer and Ooh. go down a creative path that way because there were, you can be at, you know you can make a living doing that. Yeah, totally. But, um, yeah, a diff- a different lot, era too. for sure. Yeah, so what what year are we talking about? Like where?
1: Um, that would have been eighty eight. I oh. was at Sandy Tech, and then I think eighty no, sorry, eighty seven and eighty eight eighty seven got into um, RMIT and did design there for three years.
0: Gee, so that would have been a lot all the cut and paste time. Oh, today. totally bromide
1: machines, um, mm. yeah, scalpels, ruby leath um setting finished art art up with by sticking it down with you know cow gum and yeah
0: i got quite good at it yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: and then along came the mac yeah <laughs> which changed everything
0: yeah yeah i remember when i started uh studying graphic design that that was in 2004 but i remember like computers were hadn't been in there for that long really i guess i've get, been in there for a while but you know like photoshop and illustrator and all that were really becoming the the industry standard yeah totally. but um i'd speak to the um some of the teachers and they um that just be like sort of bagging it out guys not like the old days is you know um and they were a bit jaded i get i think they were a bit they were jaded to the fact that it was so much easier to do things with than uh it was back then oh all the hand skills are gone yeah, like yeah. it's
1: yeah i suppose it's still to you know Going through the, I went or well, had studios with photographers, and they were like, "Nah, film's never going to die," you know, mm. and it won't. Um, but di- then didn't believe in digital, but now it's completely crazy. Mm. So a lot of our teachers, I mean, you know, we had the first SE thirty, you know, in 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 um, RMIT and things like that, and they were black and white and tiny. You know, mm. it was like three meg of RAM or something. Yeah. But you can still, you know, to get stuff done like finished art, it was amazing.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's it's just funny to think like because I, I was computer illiterate when I started design, so I didn't know how to do, do anything really. Didn't even know how to turn one on. Yeah, right. But um, but I remember buying my first uh, like USB flash drive thing, and it cost me like eighty five bucks, and it, was, <laughs> and, it was, and it was um, and it was two hundred and fifty megabytes. And I look and I think about back to then, and it's like it was this new device, and I had to get one for school, and I was like, bloody hell, <laughs> eighty bucks for that! Yeah, and you know, if you don't empty the trash on the same computer, like we were using all different computers, so if you take a file off and put it in the trash, but if you if you if don't you, empty the trash, you don't, it doesn't free up the space on the device sticks on there, yeah, yeah. So like a week later, I, I just couldn't fit like even a Word doc on there, and I was like, oh man, like. It was a pain in the ass. Yeah, totally. <laughs> well, yes, it
1: went, when I went to London, I had uh, my folio was two. I built this whole little cardboard thing and did this typographic character, you know, and it was called Darren Henderson the Image Maker. Um, and it was two two floppy disks that I would have to then, when I get an interview, go to a computer and put one in, dump it on the desktop, take it out, put the next one in, dump, it, and then it would do a slideshow. <laughs> it took
0: like five minutes. Jesus. Yeah, Oh worked. I got a job. <laughs> yeah. Just imagine the small talk. Just like da 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 yeah, da. da yeah. you know, Someone you've never met before. Want a coffee. <laughs> so um, so what what took you to the UK?
1: Um, I got a job. I left uni when in '91, I think, and I got a job straight away because I'd met this uh, English gent called John Cockle, who was awesome, um, and he gave me a job as a junior as soon as I got out. So. I started there and then they'd started getting max in. So I got to learn all of that. And I think I did, I got to 24 and I was like, I haven't, haven't traveled, you know, I've been to Hong Kong once and mm. Thailand and I really want to work overseas. And he was big for it. and He just was kind of pushed me out the door to do it. And, um, yeah. So then just went to London and, and I mean, traveled about a year before that. So mm. yeah, three different countries and then wanted to land in the UK and get work yeah yeah and just further the career and there was so much work when I was there it was like you could work 24-7 if you really had to
0: yeah yeah it's always been a real design hub London Mm, always yeah like when I was working over there it was the same thing it was um, had even people from like like New York and all that trying to poach designers from London just because it had the reputation I think companies wanted to say oh we've got so and so from London yeah totally yeah And they even asked me, even though I was from Melbourne. (laughs) Put on that accent. Yes. You go over there, they all think Aussies sound like English anyway. Oh, totally. Yeah,
1: Yeah, I remember even landing that um, at that stage with visas, you you weren't allowed to further your career because the English were trying to put you into... um, you know cafes and pubs and things like that Mm. so yeah i had to lie to kind of say oh, i'm just here to work in a cafe and stuff like that and Mm. yeah i mean it all changed over the years but yeah yeah
0: yeah i got a um i got a job there straight away as well and one of the reasons they hired me was it was a shitty job in a warehouse packing boxes and that but they hired me because i was australian and i went in there and there's all australians um kiwis and south africans working in there gold and um and then there was a handful of um english working in there as well but um they the english had a bit of a reputation for you know not really wanting to work too hard yeah and they all had you know a lot of them like lived at home with their their parents and that because it was a skate company so it was like all young skaters and that but they um yeah with the uh the aussies and the south africans and and the kiwis knew that they had no one to fall back on they didn't want to write that email home asking for extra cash or anything like that so they all worked really hard and they were like, yep, here comes another Aussie, all right, yep, no worries, we'll sign you up.
1: <laughs> it's so true because the, yeah. the people I ended up working for quite a lot were called principals. And um, in the interview, they were like, you know, we want to kind of keep an international So There was South African, there was, you know, other people, not all Brits. Mm. Um, and they were like, because Aussies and New Zealanders work, you mm. know, and they work hard, they want to work. Whereas, you know, um, another company I worked in, the, the, the English... English lads would go out okay. for three pints at lunch, and I was like, "Oh, I did it once, but it was like, I can't
0: do it." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I did that as well. Went only once, had a had a three pint lunch, and then had to go back and like be around forklifts and stuff. It's like oh, this, <laughs> no, this just doesn't good. work. <laughs> this is not good at all. <laughs> yeah. So, um, like while you're over there, were you uh, were you you know working on your art as well and developing that, or were you just focused mainly on your design work?
1: mainly design work but then i they were awesome because they'd let me work six days a week and then i'd say i want to go to spain or portugal or whatever and i'd just take my sketchbook and then sketch then Mm -hmm. um i'd sketch a little bit at night and stuff but it was more around sort of getting money to travel and then the art was sort of part of that but Mm. yeah
0: it's weird like I, i i think back to my time there and i had hardly any cash. I remember having friends on the dole who were getting like 20 pounds a week less than me, you know, and it's like, man, I'm working my ass off here. (laughs) I still still somehow managed to travel a lot. I I, I think it's something about being in your 20s and you you don't need much to live and you can still manage to do a lot. Yeah, completely.
1: Uh, I remember when I got my first job, I'd come back from Turkey to London and it took a month to find a place. And then I had a $5,000 Aussie credit card and the day i got given a job i put it in to take money out to go and have a few beers and it denied me so friend lent me money and then yeah but it was the same i didn't need much yeah and then the uh, dollar crash so it was like 21 cents or something to the pound yeah so it was yeah so it was great you just pay it straight off as soon as you got a couple of checks and (laughs) off you go But you're right yeah i didn't need much at all i had a skateboard and Few bits of clothing and a big bag, and that was it.
0: Yeah. So, um, so getting onto your art, like, um, can you tell me about uh, the worldly creatures?
1: Uh, worldly creatures, I started with, um, which is mainly my the the artworks and exhibitions that I've had. Um, worldly creatures came from the characters that I used to draw, which is just kind of on human behaviour and, you know, awkwardness and. Um, happiness and whatever, whatever felt right. And then the owls came along later that also have kind of a worldly connection of um, they're in every country apart from... or sorry, every continent apart from Antarctica. Um, and I just like the myths, like, you know, there's happiness and love and fertility and there's plague and death and destruction and, you know, depending on where you are. Um, I think there's a myth in Poland that if a farmer sees an owl on the fence... Uh, the next day farms nude to scare it off so there's just (laughs) things like that and i think um doing design illustration you get a brief you know and i'm I'm happy to follow a brief and you know answer that kind of question whereas uh the characters and the hours were you just did exactly what you wanted Mm. yeah so the hours i just start i don't plan you know i don't think of color schemes i just start doing them and then they kind of evolve into finished products. Yeah. Yeah. Or finished art, sorry.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and you can see, like, um, you know, from getting to know more about you from this conversation, you can really see your history coming through in your artwork as well because they're very graphical with their, um, you know, with their shapes. Yeah. You know? But then, then there's all the spray paint and oversprays and stuff in there as well, you know. Yeah, try to...
1: I mean, they kind of went from really, really graphic and... and I don't know not stayed but yeah just sharp Mm. but now sort of trying to do a few loosen ups and you know Mm. get back into having a bit of fun and tighten it up at the end
0: yeah so for those who aren't uh, familiar with your artwork like can you describe like what they look like and also how you go about making
1: them um the characters were always just drawings in a sketchbook that i then i enlarged to larger format um using black line or other sorts of lines to to sort of bring them together but they're kind of like bringing what's tiny to a bigger scale so just keeping the line work the same um a lot of that is was stenciled it's not drawn um and then using shellac to kind of give it a bit of depth and stuff like that and shellac's like a french polish brown color um the owls were kind of similar but they were more color and shape um kind of preferring a lot of color not too dark like i really like kind of experimenting with how colors work together and um you know choosing a shit color and a good color and then making it work kind of makes you happy as well mm. um and a lot of it is that's just stenciling like cutting it out and starting and you know you might do a black circle and then you start adding color on top and shellacking them as you go um i usually work on about 10 to 12 at a time so they're always forever drawing like a conveyor belt and you can Um, pull over them you know whenever you you like you can just reinvestigate Um, yeah I build all the frames down the coast Um, just bought a drop saw and a staple gun and lots of plywood and sort of make different sizes Um, and I kind of find that as enjoyable as painting sometimes like you just you shut down and you you just kind of get in a zen moment and make things you know yeah and maybe go for a surf in between (laughs) um yeah but that's pretty much it i think
0: yeah and i know when i think about your your work i think about wood as well like do you you work predominantly on wood
1: i like wood because it's um especially using a scalpel you're not going to ruin like on a canvas you have to be super super careful where Mm. i kind of like to work pretty quick so wood always was better because and you can also leave parts of it so you paint some of it and leave Mm. the wood on other parts and using the shellac kind of brings it brings it to life yeah yeah
0: yeah with I, like I'm, I'm the same like i work my, mostly on wood and it's um because i've got a furniture maker downstairs from my studio and oh, he, he makes all the boards and frames for me but um but i really like using the wood as a color as well mm. and especially working in a minimal color palette like there's you can just you know isolate the wood and go all right that's one color and then you know you only got to put a couple more colors in that looks like the full colour painting. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. What
1: kind of ply is it that you use?
0: Uh Mostly marine ply or birch ply. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. Better colour.
0: Yeah, it just depends. Like I like sometimes I request like a darker wood and other times I request a lighter one. Yeah. And sometimes it's whatever you get because he orders them on uh, like over the phone or online and, you yeah. know, they come on a truck.
1: Yeah, 1200 by 2400. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: And that's why, yeah, it's, it's, like, it's like, it's funny you find, because you know how big a, a sheet of ply is. We, I work a lot off, off that. So one size, normally 1200, depending on, you know, what size painting I make. Yeah. Because, yeah. A lot, you know, a lot of the time, 1200 is, is one edge. Yeah. If you totally. know what I mean, because yeah. that's where the size of sheet
1: comes. Because, yeah, they don't make them any larger or...
0: Yeah. Before I knew all that, I'd start, you'd um, ask me what size uh, boards I'd like. And I'd start putting out these like random numbers. Mm-hmm. And he'd be like, oh, just, you know, it, the biggest I can go on one side is 1,200. It's like, oh, okay, I get that. Yeah. I get that, <laughs> all right. You know, <laughs> you can join them together, but I was a bit worried about, like, you know, what if you do a really big painting that needs to be joined and someone buys that and then it's hanging on their wall and then it starts sort of um, splitting or something yeah, like that. Yeah, warps or... Yeah. 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 It's and like, that
1: size, it kind of has the
0: definite chance of... I know, I know. There's... That's, i don't know it's like even with like with canvas like canvases are scarier for that sort of stuff as well but um i don't know i think about materials and longevity in art and all that and i just want to work with the best quality materials possible because you you know you, you want someone to invest in that artwork and hang it on their wall proudly yeah and you don't want to get the call or the email like you know three years later saying that something you know that something's happened to it that it's your your fault yeah you know? i totally understand yeah, yeah you don't want
1: someone saying oh one side's an inch off the wall to so the other one oh.
0: yeah
1: yeah oh. it's like how do i fix that yeah <laughs> no I, yeah i totally understand
0: yeah anyway, like you know, like wood's good. I For, think wood's uh,
1: wood's down good.
0: Yeah, you put it in bubble wrap. You can stack them all up next to, uh, on top of each other, and all that sort of stuff. There, it's hard wearing and yeah, it's, firm. It's cool. I made yeah. the
1: mistake of putting one of my canvases on another one, and that it was like the worst thing ever. Yeah, mm. but you're <laughs> right.
0: Yeah, I, um, I mean, I played around with lots of different types of wood when I was um, sort of. To, you know, working out what type of ply I wanted to work with. And with the furniture maker, he'd, ma- he'd made a bunch of them, but he didn't, you know, he doesn't know like anything about archival art or, you mm-hmm. know, hanging and all that sort of stuff either. So, um, you know, the first ones were too thin yep. and they, they could warp easily. And then the and then I said, oh, I need them thicker and he made them too thick and I was just too bloody heavy to hang on the walls. Oh, totally. Yeah. 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 But, yeah. but now I've found this like nice... Yeah, you know, I think it's like six mil birch ply. Six mil, perfect. Yeah, it's perfect, and it's really sturdy, and it's not going to warp, warp. And it's um, and it's it's not too heavy to hang on the wall.
1: Yeah, six mil is what I use for the hours because it's like, yeah, one mil it's too much if you do something large. It's yeah, yeah, too hard to handle.
0: I know. Anyway, enough about wood. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um you uh used to run a gallery called autopsy gallery. And I remember going to exhibitions there. It was, it was awesome. um, Great fun. Yeah. How'd that all come about?
1: Um, it came about through a friend, Jade Palmer, who used to run, uh, exhibitions for women's charity, like breast cancer and things like that. Um, called one of them was called the great divide, um, which I was a part of, but he'd get international artists there as well, like Dalek and, um, yeah, just a whole heap of people, a lot of locals, murder, you know, um, a puzzle, all of that, and then he did that for three years, I think, two years, and then um, we both knew each other and worked in Peran. and we kept in contact and, and things like that, and then I got to a stage where I was like, oh, I wanted to start a like a painting studio, which you, you could then have shows at, and then he was talking about opening a gallery. And so we sort of got together and talked about it, and and yeah, it went from there. We started it uh, in two thousand and seven, I think it was. Yeah, we na- he named it the Autopsy, which I loved because it's like dissecting, you know, everything. Um, and then I suppose the street art stuff. Then it was like there wasn't a street art gallery really. There was Monster Children, um, who had a few artists, but they were kind of every quarter. Was so, that up in Sydney though? Yeah. Yeah. So we just put in 5k each and and rented a space in Carlisle Street and started from there. So, yeah, we didn't really want to go too commercial and get lots of sponsors and all of that and have to be answering to people. And we just wanted to get who we knew and who we loved into the space. Mm. Yeah, which we did like the first opening group show. That was amazing. Um, We had Frosty, which was awesome. Um, Someone left their panties on the ground though. And then, yeah, and then we had we had we had murder, which was fantastic, um and then Jose Parler, which was awesome too, so we wanted to get an international over mm. yeah, it was a lot of fun, but it took yeah, it was quite a lot of work and yeah, and my sister sorry she was in the show as well,
0: yeah because <laughs> with um one thing I noticed with you guys is you always are uh, you're always really good with your curation, like you um you know you like you had a lot of international artists and all that and it wasn't just sort of like like who's around and who wants to show it's more like you were targeting i guess you were targeting established artists yeah um, yeah you know did it take a lot of confidence to to go in like that um
1: it did but in you know we were just passionate and gung-ho and wanted to do a really good job and have a heap of fun like it wasn't you know we weren't kind of we'd just ask and to be honest a lot of them are really good people and they're happy to you know to they're you know say America all their art scenes taking off they want other places to show and have fun and mm. so a lot of them were happy to um yeah send artwork like does green sent a awesome piece um which we sold which was cool and they're you know demote everyone wants to support murder stormy remy like they're they're really good people that wanted to see it succeed
0: yeah who are some of the other artists you had there um put you on the spot. I know God,
1: so <laughs> many. Uh Toffa Chin, Kev Gray, Anthony Lister, Robert Hardgrave, uh, Vicky Wong, um Rekker and the Everfresh dudes, they put stuff in. Two one, uh Buff Dis, Mr. Jago. Um yeah, that's probably that's not all of them, but a few. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it was good fun. It's, uh, nice to get kind of, you know, the support from people when they want something to succeed, they're quite friendly and giving.
0: Mm. Mm. And did you notice there was like a, a shift happening as well? Like at that time with, um, you know, a lot of, uh, people who've been working on the streets for years suddenly wanting to start show their work in galleries as well. Yeah,
1: totally. You know, styles progress and people get better and, and want to do different things and, um, I suppose we did try, we just thought it was a great idea to try and get something happening like that because it wasn't really happening. Mm. Um, You know, smaller things were, but we thought if we could seriously get, you know, some really good shows and start getting people to come, yeah, then it would just keep going and succeed.
0: So, you know, after running a gallery. And uh, like, do you start thinking more about yourself as an artist and, and where you wanted to take your art career?
1: Yeah, we both did because of uh, you know, we had a lot of fun and went and we kind of decided that if we shut it down, we could do two real two or three really good shows a year, and not have to do the month by month. Um, money was becoming trouble. We didn't want to get sponsors on board. Um, we both had our own jobs during the day, so it just became harder and harder and harder um have to be open on a Saturday which I don't mind we shared it um and then I suppose the success of our shows was kind of like oh we need bigger you know we want to go bigger and have another show or we could rent some really good spaces at that time that were amazing so that was kind of the idea but then we also wanted to paint and do our own stuff and not be tied to this uh little shop that was quite expensive mm. and then yeah doing business with like Jose and stuff like that we we got bigger idea of what actually makes money like the affordable art's a great idea but it was kind of like if you really want to do it as a business because we were getting broker and broker then you're going to have to go bigger and bigger yeah um so yeah we both did our own sort of art and kept going from there and got busy and then totally didn't start the autopsy again yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which wasn't a bad thing. Like it was a great thing at the time, and we're super proud we did it. And we had a ball and met so many good people yeah. and artists. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, I've got a, um, a friend from, uh, from Dublin. He's a graph writer from over there, and he was in Melbourne. And uh, the first day I met him, um, oh, no, I, went, I met him and took him out painting, all this sort of stuff. But then I think it was like the next day or something like that um took him to the opening of uh murders exhibition at autopsy oh nice and uh yeah he loved it he still talks about it oh that was a good
1: show it was awesome (laughs)
0: yeah i remember in true murder fashion like having to line up out the front because he was still in there like finishing off
1: the installation (laughs) we had the door locked
0: (laughs) (laughs) you walk in there it smells like wet paint (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) totally
1: Yeah. I remember, I remember people out the front and knocking and we were just like, no, <laughs> it <was> half an <laughs> we, we hour. were a little bit late, I think. <laughs> yeah. But no, it's good to have people come out, you know, it's like you want it to succeed. So yeah, when people turn up, it's great.
0: Mm. But, um, so like, so what did you do after the, uh, after the autopsy?
1: Um, I suppose got stuck back yeah. into painting and, and work really. And, uh, Kept in contact with a lot of artists um, uh, and kept in contact with Stormy as well, which was good. Mm-hmm. And then I had a solo show at um, Gawker Gallery, which was great. And that was in 2010, I think. Mm. So quite a long time ago. But that was a good experience dealing with Timber and um, and yeah, all those crew. They were, it was really good.
0: Mm. I remember that show. Yeah. Oh, did
1: you? Thanks. Come yeah. on. Come along.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was working just down the road from there. It was uh, really convenient. Oh, nice. I remember just walking past it one day and just, there was suddenly a gallery there. It was like, what? Yeah, it was yeah. good fun.
1: It was a great, great spot. The, um, But, like, you know, doing it all was, that was probably the best part of it. It was such hard work and, you know, I remember the night before just kind of going, oh, fuck, is this going to be any good? Mm. You know, and, like, the kind of what you go through. Yeah. And then turning up and it was, like, people, heaps of people and mates and... Yeah, it was a good experience. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: It was good. Yeah, it's always daunting putting on an exhibition. I was talking to someone about it the other day and uh you know, I'll say, Oh, you should have a show and they're like, Yeah, I've thought about that, but I, I'm scared that no one will show up. Yeah, it's yeah. like but you know, you can't like not do things because of that reason. No. Yeah. It's you know, a, it's you a invite process. all your close family and friends and at least they'll show up, you know? yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but
1: uh and the process it's as well cool. by doing it like exactly. it's, it's so important yeah yeah
0: and just being able to see like you know if you, no matter where what sort of space you make your artwork in you know it could all be piled up against the walls and in the even in the garage or even, even making it in your backyard under the, under cover somewhere or something and then then you hang it all up in the gallery and it's like you see it all and it looks amazing on the white walls you know? yeah totally yeah yeah I agree yeah and it's, it's this sense of uh achievement and everything that comes with it
1: yeah yeah and, and a big relaxing sigh of relief when you leave yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah especially if things start selling as well you see all the red dots starting to appear it's like i don't know it makes it all worthwhile it's uh it's like ah
1: yes i am gonna make a living. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I've, I've heard a lot of people say ah, i'm never doing that again then, then three months later they're working on their next exhibition you know? yeah it's so true so true It gets
1: addictive. Definitely.
0: Yeah. So have you ever, um, have you looked at like, uh, you know, taking your career overseas and growing as an artist over there?
1: Um, yeah, I was lucky enough to be in a group show in Perth that Stormy organized Mm -hmm. and, uh, one of his friends from, uh, the UK from Newcastle upon time, Danny came over and we hung out and, uh. Spoke to him about having a show and mentioned that my grandma lived in Newcastle-upon-Tyne. That's where she grew up. And he's like, well, you have to come. Mm. Um, yeah, and then within a week, he'd sent a date. So, yeah, travelled over there. That was a lot of fun. Mm. Um, painted a lot. I think there was only 180 pieces. Mm. Um, and they had this awesome space that was, uh, was like an old industrial area. And then I got there and... The wall that I had to mount it on was uh, sandstone, so there was seventy drill bits for all of those paintings. <laughs> but yeah, taking it overseas was great because you you meet so many other people and you meet like minded people, and you know it's a, just a lot of fun. I'd do it again in a in a second. Yeah, yeah.
0: And what was Newcastle like? Um, it was amazing,
1: actually. The Geordies. As soon as I said that my grandma grew, uh, grew up there, they were like, "You're a Geordie, then." Yeah. <laughs> And they were all super friendly, yeah, good food, good hosts, like, they're all, they're like brothers, the people from Unit 44. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so, yeah, it's so much fun.
0: Yeah, I've been there once, and, oh, they're hard as nails over there.
1: Oh, totally.
0: Yeah. Like, I remember I was, um, I was with my wife, and this was years ago, we were in our twenties, and lining up, uh, lining up to go into a bar or nightclub sort of thing, and it was, it was snowing outside, and, um... And I was messing around with her. She was cold, and she and I put her in the headlock. sort of thing, just as a joke, not not a tight one. No, 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 <laughs> so no. it wasn't aggressive <laughs> in anyway. It was more of a snuggle than anything else. But um, and then and then I got pushed in the back, and I turned around, and there was this girl in like um in a mini skirt and a boob tube in the snow. Going, you got a problem with girls? You know, if you want to fight a girl, fight me. And then my wife's like, No, we're just messing around, it's all right. He's, she's like, You stay out of it. And she put her dukes up to, oh, to, to punch get on me. She, had, she had high heels on and everything. Gold. And I was like, No, no. no.
1: It's <laughs> a big uni town, too. So yeah. one night we went out with the boys and we weren't late or anything. I think it was like one o'clock. And, um, we are walking back, and, and there's people, like, students just out cold on parks and, like, really trashed. Yeah. And Danny said, oh, look, looks looks like the beach team from, from Private Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> Which it did. There was just people everywhere. But that's all the uni students. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's what we went up there for, because my sister-in-law was at uni there. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. And, oh, man, they, they get on it. Like... Mm. And I remember even going to a bar, and they had, like, um like a, a roulette wheel. Well, it was more like a wheel of fortune and it had all drink specials all on there and every time you bought a drink you had to spin the wheel <laughs> and it's like, and, you know, you'd, um, you'd spin the wheel and it'd be like, you know, 20, 20 pence for a pint sort of thing. It's like, oh, and then it's like, buy one pint, get six free and things like that. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. you go to the bar just for a round of drinks. So you come back with like 25 drinks and it's like, this cost me like $3. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Student <laughs> lifestyle, yeah. yeah. And it was like, gee, and they're like, oh yeah, this is just where we go to warm up to get before we go out. And it's like, man, <laughs> this is undone for the night. I
1: it? was lucky enough. I mean, yeah. hanging out with those guys that you know, they take you to some good spots. and yeah. But it's a beautiful city. It and is. like they say, it wasn't, wasn't bombed during the war. So all the original architecture is stunning. Yeah. And it's a good size too. It's not, not a massive London. It's just like really good vibe.
0: Yeah, totally. So you, you also uh, worked for Adidas. Like, what was that like?
1: Um, it was a lot of fun. I, when I started uh, Worldly Creatures, I started Dirty Good, which is the de- design sort of side of my life. Um, yeah. And then naively when I got a studio in Richmond with photographers, um, we did a campaign for Adidas and went and presented it cause he knew the marketing manager and that, and you know, we did a great job and great idea, but they're like, no, we won't make it, but do you want work? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. And then just started doing work for them, anything from illustrations to big billboards to, you know, window designs, um, a lot of their running stuff. They're running brochures and all their running marketing materials for their shoes. So, yeah, it was gold. It was a really good time. And it lasted a long time. It lasted 18 years, I think. So, I was sort of an outside supplier to their marketing department. Yeah. And that led on to kind of Stella McCartney and Solomon Surf and things like that. Yeah. A lot of fun and good people, like really just solid, you know, no just good client.
0: Yeah. Did you, um, did you feel that through having the design work booming, you could sort of focus on your art and, you know, the freedom to do what you want, or did you feel that it really took you away from your art?
1: Um, it took me away, but to be honest, I was still working for myself. I wasn't working for someone else. Like Mm -hmm. I had good, um, a good relationship with them and I got to do some good work, like, you know, use my artistic stuff to, to actually make things. Um, but yeah, I suppose it did stop me painting quite a bit but then it also funded a lot of my painting and you know materials and all that kind of stuff so Mm. it kind of it actually went hand in hand you know it was looking back it's like i loved it it was so much fun Mm.
0: yeah and did you get to bring your art into the Adidas arena like not 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 the sort of not your the art that you're displaying but sort of like skills like you mentioned earlier that you did a uh like mirror on the, the history of the Adidas trees
1: and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, totally. Mm. And we did a, I did an exhibition of Shelto paintings, which was kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was only four of them, but it was kind of like you could then do your canvases and stuff like that. Like they were way up for ideas. They weren't kind of knocking you back for anything. They'd say no to some things, but they'd mm. let you, you know, produce a, a lot of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they liked that I knew kind of the history of it as well. So as in, you know, back to the shell toes and all of that. And I was quite passionate about the whole business, like I always liked it as a brand and yeah.
0: Did that come from your yeah, graffiti and breakdancing and stuff like that?
1: I uh, it did, but I wouldn't say, you know, I could do crazy legs into backspin and that was it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I always loved, you know, your, your shell toes and your hip hops and all that, that was part of it. Yeah. Yeah. And they're still a good shoe today, you can't <laughs> you can't deny. No. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's uh I know it's weird, because like you look back on you know, your tr- your typical b-boy character was always wearing Adidas or Puma, you know. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Do I you know, I found out um I was listening to a podcast now talking about it. Do you know the owner of Adidas and the owner of um Puma, are brothers? I did, and they had it falling out, yeah, and they and it, started their own. Yeah, they're like, I'm going to put you out of business sort of thing. I'm going to compete against you. And it's still going today. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? Come on, families, get along. Get your shit together. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true.
1: I think Adidas look better than Puma, though. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. They're more versatile as well. and You know, like Puma's it's got the, the old school Clyde and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it? true. Yeah. Sorry to compete. offend anyone. Yeah, so Adidas' brother won. I
1: wonder if he's still alive, just chuckling.
0: (laughs) Yeah. All right, Darren, I'm going to hit you with some rapid fire questions. You ready? (laughs) Uh, Name one artist you think deserves more shine.
1: Um, Melbourne artist, Natalie, oh, sorry, Nathalia Souza, and another one, uh, Colombian, called Karen Bravo.
0: Yeah. Not familiar with their work? Yeah, they're
1: just like Karen's um, Cuban, oh no, sorry, Colombian. And it's just bright and powerful and, and pretty much the same as Nathalia Souza's as well. Awesome. Yeah, really cool. Yeah. And kind of some of it's symbolic. Um, Karen's work's kind of all about humans and, you know, women and big earrings and all that sort of stuff. Very kind of African-Colombian.
0: Cool. Yeah. I'll have to check it out. Um, what's one medium you'd love to work with?
1: Uh, I'd love to work with bronze. Stormy um, did a bronze last year with Bill Perrin down in Sandingham. And I was lucky enough to get along and check out the whole process. Um, Bill's actually amazing because he just loves taking you through everything. It's like he was a teacher, I think, at VCA. Um, but just seeing the process of it all, like, you know, the building, the clay, the foam, them then you know, 3D printing parts that are going to be bronze and just have something that's so solid would be just amazing. Mm. And seeing it as it's, you know, clay form, like the whole 3D life-size sculpture, and then coming back and seeing, you know, head cut off, arm cut off, and then they've got to join it all together. It was pretty, pretty amazing.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to do that as well. Wow, it'd be so good. Yeah. like I was speaking to D-Face about it a few weeks ago on the podcast and... Just also the fact that it seems like it's going to be there forever. Like that's what you were saying. It's like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Like it's age, so, so much more permanent. Like You know, we're talking about the, how fragile canvases are, for instance. It's like, mm. if you paint a canvas, you don't feel like it's going to outlive a bloody war. You yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're not going to knock this one over. No, no. <laughs> um, what's one skill you wish you had?
1: Uh, I wish I could fly a light aircraft so that I could... Drive to Melbourne Airport and fly to Cape Woolmay, where my beach house is, uh, and go surfing quite easily. It'll take me 30 minutes yeah, instead of an hour and a half. <laughs> um, and I've always wanted to learn to fly, so. Why yeah. not, eh? Yeah, why not? <laughs> a few friends, surfboards.
0: Yeah. Um, do you have a favourite artist?
1: Um, international, I do. I, uh, I'd say Jose Parler is always a favourite. Um, I've always thought that and I suppose having this show here in Melbourne with him was like a real eye-opener as in um, his bio and what he writes about his artwork like is so succinct and so one to what he produces like it's you know it's backed up Um, and then you kind of I suppose I did put him on a pedestal and then communicating from with him for months before he got here And you realise, and he turns up and he's just like this awesome dude, like just Mm. so down to earth. Um, Yeah, and we just had a good time. So yeah, and his paintings are freaky. They're amazing. Yeah. Uh, And Barry McGee, he's been my all-time favourite for a long time. Mm. Uh, Characters, graffiti history. Um, I'd travelled in San Fran, so uh, my brother was living there. So I took my skateboard and went there, stayed for two months so you'd you'd ride around and you'd see you know twist and and phil frost and all of that like all the locals and it sort of started from there what and went, year was that um that was 1994.
0: oh in the prime yeah those guys were all up uh, that was crazy <laughs> yeah. but it was
1: just and it was also like you know prolific in the street but then you'd go to san francisco museum of modern art and he'd have a whole wall you know like his stacked tiled paintings and you'd be like it's all changing, you know, like mm. as a kid, you're like, oh, yes, they're in.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, Australia, I'd have to say, Reefley, Lee, Ben Quilty, uh, Murder, Demote, and Mr. Gerard himself.
0: Oh, thanks, mate. <laughs> <It's a pleasure. laughs> or is that but another it, one? <laughs> <laughs> but it's always That's hard, like
1: I, I find, There's like so many, you know, Roan, and it's like Wrecker, it's like there's so much to choose from, and they're all so good. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd like to say Melbourne or Australia in general, we've got a lot.
0: (laughs) We do. I know. It's like when I um, started this podcast, I thought I'd have to, uh, you know, be Skyping people overseas constantly. And it's like, man, there's just so many amazing artists here. And then more and more just keep coming out of the woodwork as well. It's like, I don't know, like just in Melbourne. And then I think about Australia as a whole and then. Globally, it's like, well, just on, totally. this, on this planet, there is so many amazingly creative people. It's yeah. Like, you can't just sort of narrow it down to one. No,
1: <laughs> <laughs> no that's the hardest question out of all of these.
0: Yeah. Um, what advice would you give your younger self? Um, I'd probably say trust
1: yourself more, your instincts and, you know, your talent. Um, not think about, think about it too much, but sort of more just produce and get stuck into it you know Mm. um people are going to love it or hate it no matter what whether it's like the most brilliant show you could ever produce there's always going to be an opinion about it um yeah and don't smoke
0: (laughs) (laughs) why is that smoking
1: i've been on and off of smoking for years and it's yeah it's probably the only regret i have
0: (laughs) yeah tough thing to quit i smoked for 10 years did you really yeah yeah, I got and I, oh, I tried to give up so many times. And then my wife just, uh, I said to my wife once, I'm gonna, I think this is gonna be my last pack of cigarettes." And she's like, "If like I can't hear this again, if you're not willing to do it, don't talk to me." It's like, what? You don't think I can do it? And, she, and I said, and she said, no. And I said, all right. And I haven't had a cigarette since. have you? No, that was two thousand and one.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. Sounds like if you ask uh, people in the studio, they'd say exactly the exact same thing about me. Yeah. Oh, i you know, This is what I've got to do. <laughs> this is it. Last pack. That's what I used yeah. to say all the time.
0: So that's it. Last pack of the cities. <laughs> I remember it timed it perfectly. Like I a really bad sore throat and all that, and I wasn't really wanting to smoke so much. But um, but yeah, I just wanted to prove her wrong. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of those like. As soon as someone tells you you can't do something, it's like, oh, you watch this. Yeah, on. <laughs> um, do you have a, uh, a dream project you'd love to work on? Um, I suppose, to
1: be honest, it's more painting and travelling. Like, I find um, the going overseas and being creative and meeting other people is, is a lot of fun. I mean, I'd love to have a solo show of, of stuff that I've been doing recently um, in Melbourne. I think I should. But yeah, the kind of fun side of travel and painting is, is far more elusive and enjoyable than, yeah, staying in one place. I like to move around. Yeah. But I do want to have a, yeah, another solo show in Melbourne. I think it's, I think it's time. And no. people are always saying, why aren't you doing one in Melbourne? And I'm like, I don't know. I just get these offers to do things. So Yeah. Yeah. Can't say no.
0: So where are you wanting to take your art career?
1: Uh, I've recently been working on some canvases, sort of, sort of line drawings of my travel, so that's kind of my next uh, focus is to get that sort of up and running. Um, some bigger canvases. Um, and to be honest, a lot more, you know, making more out of the art and your lifestyle and surfing and, yeah, getting back to one kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, just kind of, I mean, it's a dream, but it's like, to be able to surf and paint and that's all you do, would be pretty, pretty fun.
0: Yeah, totally. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and uh and do you have any future plans or projects in the works
1: um no just just trying to get a solo show for melbourne and and um hopefully traveling to newcastle Tyne again just to paint um and do a bit of travel around that area yeah. so hopefully yeah i haven't talked to them yet i've had a chat to, about the idea nothing's uh solid but we're we're gonna see what happens and go from there
0: yeah cool yeah and, um, and where's the best place for people to see your art online?
1: Uh, I'd say worldlycreatures.com or Instagram. Just uh, worldlycreatures, dirty good. Yeah, but that's kind of personal as well. So you have to put up with dog photos and things.
0: <laughs> cool. All right, Darren. Thanks for uh, taking the time to sit down and have a chat. Thank you, Tom. No worries. <laughs> thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Bench Talk. To view images of the guest's artwork follow us on Instagram at bench underscore talk, or go to the website benchtalkpodcast.com. If you want to stay up to date with the latest episodes, subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. If you like the podcast, don't forget to tell a friend. Uh, Thanks again for tuning in and stay tuned for next week's episode.